Welcome to the Lingostown Life Podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. In this sermon, Pastor Rachel preaches about how to deal with the stress of the holiday season and not be a Scrooge. This sermon was originally preached on November 26, 2023 at Lingostown Life. Well, it was over 10 years ago now that I was nearing the end of my first semester in grad school at seminary, and I went to grad school out in Washington, D.C., and the day after our final exams ended, since we were busy with final exams and not shopping for Christmas, my friend and I took a metro ride to a local craft fair that was there, and we did some Christmas shopping in the city. And the metro ride we took to and from the fair was a good 30 minutes or so. And if any of you have ridden in underground transportation, you know that cell reception isn't very good underground. At least it wasn't 10 years ago. They may have made improvements since then. But there was no cell phone reception while you were traveling. And as I came out of the metro tunnel that day, as I was riding up the escalator, I looked at my phone and saw that I had several missed calls from a member of my family and a few voice messages that sounded like this. Rachel, call me back. Rachel, why aren't you answering your phone? Rachel, I need you to call me a bit back. It's very important now. And so I was very... Uh, nervous about what this call would be about, thinking that somebody was sick. But uh, once I got a hold of this family member, I found out that, like me, she was shopping, but she was in Bath and Body Works with her very tired toddler. And she was pacing through the store, trying to find the perfect scent for a very hard-to-shop-for family member. And she was stressed to tears, mostly because of her crying toddler, and she needed me to choose between winter candy apple and vanilla bean Noel <laughs> because she could not make that choice herself while her daughter was crying. Christmas shopping had gotten the best of her. Has this ever happened to you? Has Christmas shopping ever gotten the best of you? There are many nods. Uh, you know who you are. This time of the year, even with the lights and the Santas and the snowflakes making everything seem so magical, right? There's still this stress that can happen in the season of finding the perfect gift or trying to please your family and make everything right. And it can turn anyone into a Scrooge. Well, today we begin the season of Advent and we start a new series, The Redemption of Scrooge. And so over the next four weeks, we are going to be taking a deeper look at Charles Dickinson's book, A Christmas Carol, and we're going to see what Scrooge and the themes of Christmas past, present, and future may have to teach us today. So how many of you have watched a version of A Christmas Carol or read the book before? Thank all of you. If you haven't, you for sure have heard of Scrooge before. He's a pretty big name uh, to know. And it's portrayed, he is portrayed in many various ways. Uh, this picture that I found was from Canva when I just typed in Ebenezer Scrooge. This is the one that came up. And I think it's a pretty good representation because Ebenezer Scrooge represents stinginess and greed, 
generally being in a terrible mood, his greatest and perhaps his only love is money, right? And Scrooge takes the, the verse in Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, to the extreme, which says, you reap what you sow. And he takes Paul out of context there as well. He wholeheartedly believes that you reap what you sow. And that can be seen perhaps most at the beginning of the story. Scrooge is in his office on Christmas Eve when there are two men that come in and we are going to do a little portrayal, voice portrayal of the conversation with dear Hal playing Scrooge. He does a great job, but he's not a Scrooge. He's just portraying, portraying the part. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute who suffer greatly at the present time. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts, sir. Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons, but under the impression that they scarcely furnish Christian cheer of mind or body to the unoffending multitude. A few of us are endeavoring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. We choose this time because it is a time of all others when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. What shall I put you down for? Nothing. You wish to be anonymous? I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas. And I can't afford to make idle people marry. I help to support the prisons and the workhouses. They cost enough. And those who are badly off must go there. Well, many can't go there, and many would rather die. If they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Thank you, Hal. I, <laughs> we can clap for him. That last line, if they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. I don't know anyone personally who would stoop to such a low level of Scrooge and what he says here, but I think that many of us can identify with Scrooge's perspective. Sometimes we may really think that one reaps what one sows, or one gets what one deserves. And our logic may go like this. If you work hard, you get paid. And if you get paid, then you're able to pay your bills. And if you're able to pay your bills, then you can provide for your family and you can live well. So if you work hard, you can live well, right? And a similar logic may also say that those who don't work hard or who can't find work or those who are assumed to be lazy well, if they can't have the things that they need in life, then they just get what they must deserve. They have reaped what they have sown. And Scrooge, Scrooge sees all of that as logical. But is it really like that? Is that really how the world works best? There's a parable that Jesus told that offers us a different perspective and puts you reap what you sow into a different kind of light. And that reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. This is Jesus speaking, and this is his parable. 
For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found some others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. So he said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. And when those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. So in this time period in which this parable was written, many historians believe that poor day laborers were usually men who had been forced off of their land by debt foreclosures. And so they provided labor, and their daily wage given to them of a denarius was usually just enough for them to maintain their livelihood, but nothing more. No extra to try to pay off the debt that they owed. So the large availability of workers in this story suggests that there is oversupply and unemployment pretty prevalent throughout the area. This is one of those troubling parables. <clears throat> the Board of Ordained Ministry will often assign candidates going into ministry to be um, ordained as a pastor. One of the assignments is to preach a certain scripture that's assigned, and they will often assign this scripture because they want to see how it's going to be interpreted with how difficult it is. Our world doesn't operate like this. I have yet to see a manager operate by paying the same wage to everyone, regardless of the time worked, those who started before 9 a.m. at the beginning of the day should definitely get more than those who started at 5 p.m. It is just not fair. And for Ebenezer Scrooge, so much of life isn't fair to him. Before he had this conversation with the men collecting for charity very early on in the book, this is how Charles Dickens describes him, no warmth could warm, no wintry weather chill him. No wind that blew was bitterer than he. And we see that in this first night on Christmas Eve. He shoes away those men from the charity with appalling cruelty before they come. You may remember if you've read or seen one of the movies that his nephew comes in earlier than that and invites him to come to be with his family for Christmas dinner the next day. And Scrooge responds to him by asking how someone as poor as him could be so happy. 
And then we see this bitterness then when he says goodbye to Bob Cratchit for the night, his, his worker, and he's grumbling that he'll be wasting a day's wage on him when he begrudgingly gives him Christmas Day off work. For Scrooge, <clears throat> things are black and white. To him, life is not fair. I wonder when you have felt that life is not fair. Losing a job isn't fair. Losing someone we love isn't fair either. Losing a relationship because of our mistakes or the mistakes of somebody else isn't fair. So much of our life just isn't fair. And often there isn't an explanation for why those unfair things are happening. And when we feel that our life is not fair, it opens up the door to us calling the shots on what is or is not fair for others. And then that hope opens up a whole vicious cycle of all kinds of ugly, like pride and greed and envy. There are two things I think that this parable tells us about our human nature, and I think it's very true for Scrooge as well. The first is that when we compare ourselves to others, we despise ourselves. When the workers who had started in the morning complained to the landowner that they should have received more, they put up a pretty good argument saying, you have made these other workers equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. We were the ones, right, that put in the long hours, not them. We are the ones who are going to be aching tonight from working all day, not them. And yet they still get to go home and feed their family just like us. What have we done to deserve this? Is our work not good enough for you that you give us, that you don't give us more than somebody else? I saw an image recently uh, on Facebook of Julia Child. And uh, it's from back in 1963. I thought it was very interesting. There are five people sitting on the floor there outside of the set. They're framed behind the kitchen island. They can't be seen from the camera's view. And one of those five is holding a pie tin up. And very soon, it'll be magically transported into Julia Child's hands, right? So often what we see, this is a good example, I think, of what we see on social media uh, is often the happy and magical part, or what we see of somebody who we only see once a week or less, sometimes on a Sunday morning when we're trying to look our best, right? Or um, when, we, when we don't see someone very often or what we see on TV, it's only a small view that does not represent the totality of life. Often on social media, we see the happy and the magical part, which can be a real and honest part, but it's not the whole story. It's not the entire part. This picture shows me that Julia Child couldn't even cook like Julia Child. <laughs> no one is living the one-dimensional life that you see of them, and that includes those strangers that we witness on the street. It's only one part, one snapshot that we see of their life. And so when we constantly make judgments about the one-dimensional view of others that we see, whether they're kind judgments or not, it never makes us feel better about ourselves. 
and only shows us that we don't value others and that we don't value ourselves. And it certainly adds then to that Scrooge-like tendency of the season, right? When we just don't feel like we measure up or when others aren't making life fair. And when we constantly do that, it just keeps us in that Scrooge attitude. So there's another thing that this passage reveals about the human nature as well, that when we compare ourselves to others, it leads us to despise God. So we despise ourselves, but we also ultimately despise God. At the end of the parable, the vineyard owner asks the workers who are grumbling, are you envious because I am generous? And the literal Greek translation of that question is, why is your eye evil because I am good? Isn't that an interesting translation? Why is your eye evil because I am good? When we compare ourselves to others because of what they have, it can lead us then to blame God for what we don't have in life. And it might happen without us even realizing it. We might envy the gifts of another person or, or the way another person looks over how we look or what another person has. I know that I can often, in my one-dimensional view of someone else, right, envy those people who seem to have it all together, who seem like their house is always clean and organized and they are just on top of all their priorities in life. I'm only looking at a one-dimensional view though, right? But when we are focused so much on looking at another person and what another person has, we fail to see the specific gifts that God has given us to shine for God's glory. And then we fail to use them well. Just because someone else accomplished something great doesn't mean that you have failed. Just because someone else has accomplished something great doesn't mean that you have failed. We weren't made for competition. When the laborers complain that they weren't getting their fair share, the landowner reminds them that they are getting what was promised to them from the beginning, that it is indeed fair. They get the wages that they agreed upon at the beginning of the day, right? They took on that contract. They got what they signed up for, nothing more and nothing less. You see, God's economy is so much different than what our own minds can comprehend. This parable is a picture of the kingdom of God, and it's a kingdom where the landowner gives the desperate laborers an opportunity for work at different times of the day, and yet is generous enough to pay them all the same. And that doesn't mean that God cares for some more than God cares for others. It's a kingdom where it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you've been in church all your life or whether you just stumbled in here on a Sunday morning curious about what was happening. God loves all of you, everyone the same, and rejoices all the same when you discover that Christ is your Savior. And it's called grace, and it's not fair at all in our minds, but it's offered to all people, and it isn't based on merit or credit or attendance or how kind you are or the size of your income. It's for everyone, freely given, and it's meant to be freely received. So maybe, maybe in those times in the season when you are feeling a bit like Scrooge, maybe it's not here yet, but it might get here in a couple weeks. 
when you can't fathom how you'll get through that long to-do list, or when the crowds or traffic or lines are too much, or maybe if you shop online because you can't take all of that, the internet is too slow, or the shipping doesn't get the gift there fast enough, or when you're standing in line with a screaming toddler, because so many of us have been there, and when everyone else seems to have everything all together except for you. Maybe you can just take a step back. Maybe you can silence the social media or pray for those who you think have it all together or pray for those who are struggling because life isn't fair to anyone, really. Maybe you can give in a way that makes you feel good this season and we have plenty of opportunities for that. Maybe take time to really prepare your heart for Christ that is to come. And maybe as as we do that, we'll start to remember what God values, which is so much more than any gift that can be purchased or any decorations that can be perfectly set. And when we start to remember what God values, maybe we'll start to see everyone as a child of God. I pray that would be so. I invite you to pray with me. Thank you for joining us on the Lingostown Life Podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope you will leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, find out more on www.lingostownlife.org. God bless you, and may you go forth and love God and love others.